Welcome back to the Tea with Crema. My name is Chris. I'll be your host, and I'm joined by my best friend Emma. Hi. Today we have a super fun episode. We're gonna be talking about social media, something that has been all up in our lives, at least for me and Emma, since middle school. For some of us, a little bit longer. For some of us, a little bit less. So that's our topic of the day: reflecting and. Uh, considering what we might do with our social medias in the future. Before we get started, we want to talk about what teas we're drinking. So Emma, what tea do you have today? Still not drinking tea. I actually have a Canada Dry Ginger Ale. That is what I'm drinking today. Why are you making that face? Ginger ale is so gross. I love ginger ale. I'm like an old 80-year-old lady. I just like my ginger ale and my knitting. What are you drinking? Today, I have my favorite tea brand right now. It's Tiesta Tea. It's a company that sells a lot of loose leaf tea, something that I've just recently started getting into. And today's flavor is called Fruity Pebbles. So it's strawberry strawberry pineapple green tea. Pineapple green tea. Ooh, that sounds fantastic. That sounds like a little dose of happiness. It is. It's one of my favorites. So the one I had last time is the mango pineapple fruit tea from Tiesta. That's my favorite favorite, but Fruity Pebbles is up there for sure. Well, let's get started with our episode. Our first question going back, way back. What was your first social media platform? What got you started? This one's kind of hard. So I started using social media when I was in the sixth grade. So I was also like 12, 11, 12 years old. So again, like I want to give that disclaimer that, you know, most social media, you need to be 13 years old to do it. And like, did we lie on these things with our ages? Yes, we did. So yeah, I was 11 or 12 years old using it. I don't know if I should be admitting that. Also, 13 is a recent age. When we were growing up, you had to be 18. You were not supposed to be... 13 because i realized that now that a lot of the platforms that kids are signing up for you have to be like instagram tiktok all of those are 13 when we were growing up it was 18 well so i was definitely too young to be on social media but i recall being on zanga x-a-n-g-a i'm not sure if anyone remembers that it was like a blogging site i don't know what i was blogging about that i thought it was so important at 11 or 12 years old, and I really wish I could find it so I could give you guys, like, an example. But my first, like, one that I used super actively and remember being super addicted to was MySpace. What about you, Chris? I was also using social media around sixth grade, so probably around the same age. I don't know what Zanga is. I was using MySpace, and I definitely remember the little disclaimer that said, like, you had to be 18 to use the site. So having to figure out what year I needed to be born in to be able to sign up for that website. And it was just one of those everyone had a MySpace. So I had to have a MySpace as well. And I think it was definitely middle school. I don't know if it was as early as sixth grade, but that was my first dabble in the social media arts. I just remember having a, my best friend in middle school didn't have a MySpace. And I think we were probably like either seventh or eighth grade. And she finally got a MySpace afterward. But we had like, she's always been kind of like super cool about it. Like was never like super into the whole social media thing. Would you also consider like AOL Instant Messenger? Was that like a social media? 
Or is that more like a communication? I guess it's more of a communication tool because you can't like make friends or find people. Now, granted, I never really used AOL. I used Yahoo Messenger. So you couldn't find people. You had to be friends with them already. Yeah. Oh, see, like on AIM, and I remember being on AIM in fifth and sixth grade. Uh, maybe y'all were friends with me. XX. I don't even want to say my name. Never mind. <laughs> I had so many names. Like, I think I was like Babushka at one point because I really liked the way it sounded. So I was Babushka21XX. Um, now I'm just exposing myself. I think I was Polygirl94 at one point. Like, obvious ways that all of these people could have came and kidnapped me and sold my body parts because they knew that I was under the age of 18. Like, if you were from Hawaii, you always had some kind of 808 in there. Like, that was a thing. But yeah, I guess that's not really social media. But I just remember my MySpace being so poppin'. Like, I had all of the glitter art. I had the music. I had, like, I was able to, like, hide all the comments. Like, I think I, I looked at my MySpace recently in preparation for this episode. And I was like, man, I was so cool. And at the point when I was, like, coming off of MySpace... I was taking a more minimalist approach. So I had like all the bolding and the underlining. Like, I'm just mad that they had us flirting with this six figure paycheck for the free. Like, you know, we were out here coding before it was cool to code. Yeah, because you definitely, MySpace was not a click and choose your theme. You had to, you had to put that in manually. You wanted the songs in, you had to put that in Mm -hmm. yourself. All of the glitter themes, yourself. I remember seeing some of the most outrageously obnoxious pages just glitter sparkles like flashing everywhere i was like this there should be a disclaimer on your page at the very top like this might give you a seizure (laughs) this is not a normal page flashing lights warning (laughs) and that's like that should have been at the top before we scrolled down the rest and this was back when like you know you had to load the page a little bit at a time because you still have the dial-up internet then you had like your top eight i remember like Always, 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 my sister was on my top eight. Like, sometimes she was number eight, sometimes she was number one, but she was always on my top eight. But I was, like, never on her top eight, which I think is low-key shady. Like, what the F? (laughs) She was also older than you, so, like, that would have been weird. I guess, yeah, because if I was, what, 12 using it, then she would have been 19 using it, and that's weird Mm -hmm. to have a 12-year-old on your top eight. But then I remember there were those, like, options to make it, like, a top 36. Like, I had 36 friends. And then I remember there was drama. There was drama anytime you move somebody. And they're like, why am I now top 10? And before I was top five. Oof. Middle school drama would not ever want to relive. <laughs> Mm-mm. Just a mess. Well, talking about all of these social media memories, what's been your most used social media so far? Instagram, for sure. I was like a huge, I was like pretty big on Facebook when it was early high school. Like I can go back on Facebook and see like my memories and my pictures from being like a freshman and a sophomore in high school, which I think is really nice to have those pictures on there. But also like I need to go and make sure that my privacy settings are like no longer viewable to everyone. Not that I was doing any suspect things, but like I was a kid, like I was a young kid using social media. What about you? Twitter for sure. I think I've had it almost as long as Facebook. And even when I stopped using Facebook actively, I still am pretty active on Twitter. So I would say Twitter is my most used social media platform. Do you tweet a lot though? No, I don't. 
on any social media platform. I would not consider myself like a big poster. When I had Vine, didn't make Vines. Instagram, don't really post pictures. I don't tweet much on Twitter. I didn't post much on Facebook because I was just one of those people that realized that like, it's an easy A, you know, he says like, not every one of your thoughts is a golden nugget that just needs to be shared with everyone. I got over pretty quickly the whole Facebook updates where it used to like tell you like, oh, this person is doing something. And that used to be like the platform that it was done. And so just reading through like the memories of just like, is watching a movie. I'm like, why why is this here? Who posted this? For what reason? So I've never considered myself a big poster or creator on any social media platform. Like I watch these kids on TikTok and I love TikToks. Like I really do. I actually just recently had to delete it because it was getting in the way of my studying for my LSAT stuff. So I had to delete it. But I'll be back TikTok. And when I come back, I'm coming back with a with a force. Instagram, I think I've used the most heavily. And going into college, I remember being like very cognizant of like the likes that you could get based on the content that you were posting. I started to realize that like anytime I posted anything with Isaac, like I got the most likes. And it wasn't that I was like pimping out Isaac for likes, but I was very like conscious of the fact that like, oh, when I post this, like people don't really care about it. But when I post about Isaac, like everyone, everyone eats that up. But then as I got older, I was like, you know what? I need to start like posting just for me. Like I need to post the memories that I want to remember and not just them likes. Yeah, for the likes. And I think that that is a place that a lot of people get to hopefully eventually But there is, like, this whole movement toward, you know, like, body positivity and, like, social media is, you know, like, only the best good parts of you. It's not like no one really shows, you know, the ugly side of it. What an experience. Do you have a, of all the ones that you've used so far, do you have one that you would say is your overall favorite? Like, currently my favorite or, like, over time? Which one has been my favorite? I guess if they're the same. I think over time, like, I really, really liked... Facebook for the games that it had. I don't know if y'all remember Farmville. Ooh, yeah, girl was farming. And then Tetris Battle. I was up in there playing Tetris Battle. Like, the games on Facebook are still unmatched. I have not found any other platform that, you know, allows the integration of games the way they do. But I think the one that has, you know, stayed true and test, like, through the test of time is Instagram. Like, I was on Twitter for a little bit, but I was never... And I really only am on Twitter whenever Chris sends me tweets that I need to read (laughs) that he thinks are funny. And then, you know, I'll like go through the replies and stuff like that. But I was never really a good tweeter. (laughs) And did not tweet actively. I was not. (laughs) I was not tweeting on the tweeter. (laughs) A mess. Like I didn't tweet correctly. And now that I like go back to like my posts of my Twitter, even my Facebook, like I can definitely relate to that whole Because Facebook used to ask that question, what are you doing, Emma? And I'd be like, is eating ramen, yum, is studying for a test, boo. And I'm like, what is, what is wrong with you? No one cares. And I remember, it's so funny because I remember Isaac's brother, one of his older brothers actually posting one time and being like, no one cares about your, like, what you're doing. Like, he wasn't like, he wasn't like directing it at me. He was just like a generalized statement. And I was like, oh what do you mean they don't care if I'm studying? (laughs) Like, it was like a whole big thing. (laughs) And then you look at the interactions and it's like, no likes. Like, no one cared at all. No one cared, you know? Like, it's too much. What would you say have been some positive impacts that social media has had for you? Some ways that it's really been 
a positive experience for you. I love seeing my aunts and uncles interacting with social media, and I think that it's like a great way for me to keep in contact with them. And so when I do when I do post on Facebook, it is mostly for like my aunties and my uncles to like see like oh this happened, and I can always count on my aunts to like hype me up and be like oh my gosh like she's the best, and I'm like thank you I needed that. <laughs> but I think that's one of the positive is that it's like. And I can see it even with my my mom's generation, you know, she'll see like high school classmates getting on Facebook and, you know, being able to see like what's going on in her hometown and like, she'll be able to see news coming in from Hawaii. And so it's just been a way for them to connect and like, keep that closeness, even though they're no longer within the same, you know, proximity or vicinity of each other. What about you? What are some positives? I think I would have to agree. I'm not a super social person, so I don't go out of my way to maintain a lot of connections overall. So having those social medias that kind of by default keep people connected until actively disconnecting. It's just nice to go through every now and then if something's happening, checking in on people, seeing major life updates, marriages, babies, home purchasing. I don't know what other people are doing right now in their lives, but things like that. And so I would agree if I'm posting, it's usually something major. Do you ever like fall into that? Oh my gosh, I'm not adulting because like I don't have a baby or like I don't have a husband or is that just my own personal thing? Nah, I still think I'm like way too young to be doing some of these things that people are doing. Like, I mean, it's fine. Like live your life, like do what you're going to do. But I'm like, oh my God, people get married, having kids, buying houses. That's a lot. First of all, at this point, like married to who? Who would I be marrying? And then having a baby with who? How am I going to take care of a baby right now? That's many. And then buying a house for me, that's a place. Like I've, that means I've found a place that I'm committed to living in for a long time. So these are just questions I don't have answers to, much less able to act upon. So, I mean, if other people got it, great. I'm just not there yet. I feel like a quasi-adult every time I see that. Like, when I see people like, oh, having a baby, I'm like, wow, like, you're going to take care of a whole other human being? Like, I can barely take care of myself. Like, what did I eat for dinner last night? You know? And so it's like, yes, I'm 26 years old, but I sometimes still feel like I'm not... So, like, when, when I see people that have it, like, I guess, quote, unquote, together, I'm like, dang, y'all are, like, real life adults out there. And I'm out here just, like, trying my best. And you know what? That's okay. Sometimes your best is all you can do. <laughs> she said trying my best. That's all. You know, it is what it is. Nah, it's fine. So, on the flip side, you know, seeing all those people and those positive impacts, maintaining those connections, what are some ways that you think social media has negatively impacted your life? I think for sure, like I kind of talked on it a little bit was talking about how there's that pressure to, you know, portray this like, wonderful, perfect life. And it's so hard to see through that, especially as like a young woman, you know, growing up, like not seeing representation of myself. And, you know, now that there's this like body positivity movement, like I'm here for it. But it's like something that I didn't have. You know, you see all these influencers and folks like that, that like post their beautiful homes and like their trips that they're going on. And, you know, and they're in their like bikini ready bodies and all these things. It like starts to weigh on your mental health. I think a little bit that people do get into that comparison game. Like, what am I doing wrong? You know, like, how are we the same age, but you're out here partying in whatever country you're currently in and I'm out here like studying and trying to like get my life together and so 
again, different struggles, like I'm sure that whatever they're going through, like they're doing their own thing. And that's not the full picture. So I think that's one of the negative impacts. What about you? I would say negative impact is going through personal growth in a public space. So having access to these public forums and posting the thoughts and opinions that I had at the time, and then having to reconcile what those impacts are for me now. Because there have certainly been times where I will see posts from well back in the social media days and realizing that that is absolutely not a mindset that I still have about certain issues and certain topics and having to figure out how to address that growth within myself, but then also, again, it's out there, it's in the public realm. So how do I go about making sure that it's not something that I guess still reflects poorly on me in the present? Yeah. So I think that's something that has negatively impacted me always worrying about, oh man, what did I post 12 years ago when I was 13 years old or whatever the case may be and how could that possibly impact me um, in the present as I move forward with a career, which kind of brings to that, that next topic, the next question of like, if someone, if you were to be like the mayor or the governor right now, if you were to become someone famous and influencer right now, is there stuff that you think would be on your social media that would result in you being like part of the canceled group? So people would find it and be like, Oh no, this person's trash. And they would cancel you before you even had an opportunity to kind of like fully live out what you were doing in the present. That's a good question. I think I want to say no, but I also like don't know how things can be misconstrued, you know, and also like things that I said at 16 versus now me being a full, no, a half grown adult is like, you know, there are things. And so that's one of those like arguments and debates that I see around cancel culture is that we are canceling people who are, you know, 30, 35 years old for things that they said when they were 18. And was that something that they should have done? No. Was that something that they should have known better? Maybe. But again, like we have to take into consideration a lot of these people and like their upbringing, their environment. Like, did they think what they were saying was true and correct at the time? Maybe. But like at 35 years old, if they are still holding that same opinion, I think that's different than, you know, canceling something, someone for something they said like 17 years ago. What about you? What do you think? Do you think you would be canceled? Are we canceling Chris? Yeah, I could guarantee I'd be canceled. There have been, like, things that I found on my social media. I'm like, oh, my God, can I cancel myself? Like, why? Because I know I've definitely had conversations with people or seen it on social media where they have this, like, holier-than-thou attitude towards it. Well, I never said anything that was that could be misconstrued or deemed homophobic or racist or whatever those issues were. And so... I think for me, it's just one of those, like, that's great. I'm glad that you didn't grow up in an environment where that was a norm. And I'm happy for you. But that's not the norm for everyone. I know, like, I had to deal with a lot of internalized homophobia. Things that I would say that now I'm just like, wow, I I was dealing with a lot. That's absolutely not a healthy thing for me to have said at the time about anyone. And now it like kind of applies to myself, right? So I think, again, that the social media airs a lot of that growth, it displays it, it puts it in public in a place that can be found. And my thing is, if I'm not exhibiting those same types of like mindsets and traits, I've grown, I'm not 
the same person that I was when I was 13 years old on Facebook tweeting out at the world because I was angry with my own circumstances or how the world was treating me at that time. So, I don't know. I think cancel culture is a little weird. I would probably almost definitely be canceled. And I get it. But again, we all go through things a little differently. Little 16-year-old me, 13-year-old me, whatever, was going through a lot of a lot of internalized issues. And that probably shouldn't have been on social media. But growing up with social media, I don't know about you, but no one gave me like a book or I didn't take a class on, oh, by the way, the stuff that you say now doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. It's going to come back and haunt you. Because I mean, like my MySpace stuff, I feel pretty confident. Like MySpace pretty much went away. It's gone. But I know so Facebook is still around. Twitter still around. If people take screenshots, still around. You know, like, now that I'm, like, talking about it, I'm, like, actually, I think I would be canceled. Or at least not canceled. I would be, like, this is problematic. Like, I definitely have those times where I'm, like, thinking now that I'm, like, hmm, did I have anything that was, like, internalized and problematic? Oh, for sure, yeah. Like, I would definitely, like, someone would have found it and been, like, that's not okay. Like, this is, and this is why it's not okay. Which I think when we talk about cancel culture, like, we need to address that. I think we need to give people the opportunity to grow And then if they continue to show this, like, okay, they're trash, then yes, let's cancel them at that point. But automatically canceling someone doesn't give them the opportunity to grow from it. And I know that we're tired of hearing these, like, excuses and, like, apologies that seem, you know, not genuine, you know, and that's a thing as well. So, again, like, to automatically cancel something for something they said 30, you know, 20, 30 years ago or something they did 20, 30 years ago, I think we have to look at a pattern of behavior, right? Because, yeah, that, I mean, the dominant culture definitely, I don't, it set me up to say some really messed up things that even now would apply negatively to myself. So, like, 13-year-old me would probably not like 26-year-old me because 13-year-old me was still a part of, oh, well, everyone else around me says that that's not good. So, it's not good. And I just, it takes, it had to grow there. I had experience, like I had to experience life and get out here, see things differently, go through it myself, develop my own identity before I could make more informed decisions. But that's that social media. So would you go back if you could and change your approach or your presence on social media? Like if you could go back and either do it again or like tell younger you, hmm, maybe you should try something a little differently. Like what would you say? I think if I were to go back and talk about, you know, 12 or 13 year old me and really sit down with them and have that conversation of like everything that you do say can impact you in the future and everything that you say will not go away. I think that's the biggest part is that it does not go away. Would I change my, the way that I approached it? Yeah, for sure. Like I wouldn't have been posting like is studying, is eating noodles is you know like all those things like it was unnecessary like again like EZA was saying make golden nuggets like not everything you have to say and status update is a golden nugget so I think it's important to address that I feel like I learned pretty early on that everything I did say you know could be traced back and all that stuff and so I did start like falling off on posting really more often and now that I like look back at like my social media presence especially on Facebook in the past five years, I can say I was only really posting like things that I wanted the family to be updated on, right? It wasn't like posting just to post. What about you? Would you change your approach? Or how would you change your approach? I think the hard part would be trying to get younger me to not be dumb. Like that's the that's the part that would be difficult. 
Because I know I was stubborn. So if I could go back and change it, I would definitely minimize my social media presence altogether. Because I know, again, it was, there's a lot of pressure to be on social media, but I would try really hard to not for as much as possible. And even if being on there, just avoiding posting as much as possible. Because again, that growth and that character development does not need to be played out in public. I think leaving it as its own private compendium of ideologies is fine. Like, I don't know, maybe a journal, a diary, something. But we all saw what happened to your last diary. What'd you exactly. do? Exactly. You burnt it. So that character development could have been played out in the privacy of a journal that I then burnt when I was like, okay, great. I'm no longer in this space. Mentally, done. It's fine. It's over with. So I try really hard to to keep that character development private. And I'm trying really hard to like scrub it now. But again, it's much easier to have just not posted it to begin with. Because again, who's to say there could be screenshots out there? I don't even know. We won't know until I run for president, you know? All of a sudden, all the things come out. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things too. You don't realize the grand, like how big of an impact it makes down the line. Because again, like we are seeing these creators and we are seeing these influencers you know, who are getting canceled for things they said when social media first started. We're having teachers get fired because they got caught dancing at the beach. In a bikini. In a bikini. Which is also like a larger issue, I think, at hand too, is that like, should your social media presence be something that reflects on what you do as like a person in the public? Like for us as teachers, you know, we do have certain i don't know if it's like laws but like certain unsaid practices where like because we are seen by the public we are only allowed to have a certain public persona you know and so it's like is that one of those things where like should social media reflect the way that you show up in these professional spaces but again that was not given to me as a 13 year old kid Mm -hmm. that manual that clarification that warning was not and it wasn't happening at the time So people weren't losing their jobs in the news. People weren't being canceled at the time because of their social media presence. And so I think being a part of that like pioneering generation of people growing up with it for the first time, figuring out what's going to happen. And then now, years later, seeing what those ramifications are are for people is what makes it kind of annoying. Because again, had I, I think growing up in the generation of kids who are growing up now, And being able to, like when I teach my kids, I can point to direct stories of, okay, y'all think this isn't going to impact you. Here's a post that this person made. Here's what their life was like. And then boom, they were fired. They lost their job. Like those are stories in the news that I can now point to as examples where I didn't have that to look to when I was growing up and figuring out social media with the rest of the world. So, I would change my approach a lot. I also think about, like, you know, with the privacy aspect as well. Like, we had, we were part of that generation that, like, was getting kidnapped and, you know, trafficked, human trafficked due to, like, people meeting up with other people that they didn't know. And I, like, remember being on even Instant Messenger and, like, messaging people that lived in New York. Like, I was from California, like, I'm not even in California. I was living in Hawaii. Like, I had no business in these, like, talking to these random people, you know, from God knows where. And you can even see it like on MySpace, like there were girls that went missing because they met up with someone that they thought was somebody else, you know, like the OG catfish, but like the dangerous catfish where people didn't return. And so there was just a lot that wasn't being said. And it was a lot of jurisdiction and laws that had to be created 
in response to rather than trying to be proactive about because they like we didn't know what we had to be proactive against we didn't know the dark side of social media i feel like Mm -hmm. so like speaking about the future and like kids like do you talk to your students first of all about social media but then also like when you yourself have children how are you planning on doing social media are you planning on having that be a thing Social media issues have definitely come up in the classroom a few times. So it's something that I've definitely had to wrap my head around addressing proactively and getting better and better at it every year, especially now when you're thinking about kids going to schools where it's one-to-one on devices and those devices aren't just accessible at school. And so figuring out, okay, how do you use this device responsibly How do you make sure that your online presence is one that is generally okay? It's not something that's going to come back in and impact you later. And so having to have those conversations with my kids is something that I find myself doing that I didn't necessarily anticipate doing. But again, also because the social media platform age is technically 13. So I also have to lead those conversations with like, by the way, y'all are not supposed to be on this platform. But since you're there, and it is impacting the things that we're doing on a day-to-day basis here at the school, here are some conversations that we need to have about staying safe and being responsible and respectful. And so those conversations of, you know, it's not just, oh, you have to be respectful in the classroom because distancing someone at home and then bringing that drama back into the classroom has impacts on what we're doing in our day-to-day classroom business. So... Now having to have those conversations and expanding those expectations beyond the four walls of my classroom has been a whole other set of challenges. And as for my children going up, I don't know. I just might be that terrible parent that tries really hard to keep them off of social media as much as possible because I I don't know. There's a lot to go around and figuring out. That's putting that kid's information out there pictures of them, their likeness, information about them. So now it's even harder to answer those security questions that they ask you because half the time the answers are somewhere on your social media somewhere. So I don't know. I want to avoid it when I have kids. But I also say that knowing full well that having kids puts you in a different type of situation than talking about having kids. Right. And I think that's like, I I respect a lot of people who choose not to put you know their parent like to put their kids out there especially like celebrities because fandoms and fans are ruthless you know and so like i respect when celebrities don't put out their child's name immediately or like don't put out a picture of their children and now do i think i'm anywhere near like the kardashians or anything like that no but i don't believe that my child had a choice and choosing on whether or not they wanted to be, you know, part of my social media. So I think that that's something like a larger conversation that needs to be had is like me putting their, you know, pictures and their like moments on there. I don't know. I don't know if I would plan on sharing that part of their lives with, you know, my followers and things like that. Now, when most of my followers are my friends and family, yeah, it's nice to like be able to have that you know, connections that people can see because, you know, not a lot of my friends and family live in Texas. So, you know, I also don't know where I'll have kids. But again, it is, like you said, it's hard to say what it'll be like. Like I can say like, oh yeah, my kid will never be like a tablet kid or like my kid will never be a telephone kid. 
I don't know. Like, even just watching my nephews, like, they are tiring. I love them to death. You know, they're nine and two years old. But sometimes it's just easier to give that two-year-old the tablet and be like, okay, now go do your thing. And it makes me wonder if it's not actually kind of a disservice to not have them building up those skills at that young age because they're going to be competing with kids who have been dealing with phones and tablets from start. And so I think also part of it is like, because I used to be like, no, my kids aren't going to have technology and they're going to read books and we're going to do things that way. But then realizing that they still have to grow up and be competitive people in a workplace. So you still have, like the technology is not going away. I can't raise kids who don't know how to use an iPad until they're 13. Like that doesn't, that's, that's not setting them up to be successful long-term technology is only getting more and more a part of our lives. So, you know, again, having to evolve on those mindsets and I think just being active in what the kids are doing on the phones and the tablets, I think is a big part of, of that. If you're going to do it, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm, do it responsibly. And that's what I'm going to have to figure out. And they make it a lot easier now to, to monitor and to be really active in that. You can set up kids' accounts on so many different things, which is really nice. Because again, like when YouTube came out, mm -hmm, you just went on YouTube and you just hoped to just see you and find something sketchy. (laughs) Some suspicious things. Mm -hmm. So now they have just YouTube for kids. I mean, granted, you know, still check out YouTube for kids. You never know. People find creative ways to get through filters, but it's, it's, it's easier. There's Netflix accounts for kids. Apple has accounts for kids. So that way, again, technology is not going away. So if at least I'm, if I'm going to do it, I want to be able to monitor and guide kids, my kids through it, as opposed to just being like, whoop, here's the internet. Good luck. Cause it's terrible out there. The internet is not a nice place. It is. And it is constantly like, and I feel like we truly do not understand the internet either. Like we can say like, okay, this is a place where it's stored, but like where, and I think this is a more of an existential crisis that I have all the time is like, what is the internet? Honestly, when you truly think about it, and if you are an internet expert out there who can like explain it to me in layman's terms and in podcast terms where I can learn to like unpack it, that'd be super cool. But like, what even is it? You know, like we still don't even know the ramifications. We still don't even know the effects of, but yeah. So like how, you know, we're talking about privacy. We're talking about having our kids on here, all those different things. How do you maintain your own privacy when you're using social media now as a 26 year old? I just try, I don't post my daily life things. Um, and I've tried to go through all of the settings as po- as many settings as possible and try to, because I have to find a balance, you know, because again, the technology works when it has more information about you. But like, where do you find that balance of like, because again, that, inter- that information about me is stored somewhere. And we always see every few years, sometimes a little more frequently, that that internet is super vulnerable to being found by people with malicious intent. And so figuring out how much information is safe on the internet, I think is something that I'm still trying to figure out that balance of like, how do I post enough to where I'm still, you know, making those connections and maintaining connections with people, but not so much that, you know, if someone were to hack Facebook, then my entire life would be ruined kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I, mm. yeah, I guess I'm the same way with like privacy. I'm a lot more 
in the same way that I was like conscious of like this gets likes I now am more conscious about like do I really need to post that like I think about that what is that that acronym that all teachers use is it like think you have to think before you use it like so is it is it true is it helpful is it I've never heard of this acronym. Oh, okay. Mm. Well, let me bring it up. So, like, teachers, and I, I, I'm i sure it's in other spaces too, but I see mostly teachers use it when they're discussing um, social media and, like, posting and, like, ways to interact with um, other students. And so... Is it true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, or kind? Yes, basically, that's it. And so it's like one of those things that like teachers encourage their students, like before you tweet, before you post on TikTok, before you post on, you know, social media, you have to always think like, think, you know, is it true? Because, you know, a lot of times people will repost and I'm not calling out like the older generation, but y'all be posting some alternative facts that I'm like, "Eh, is that true? Um, You know, is it helpful? You know, like, am I just repeating the same thing or am I actually adding to the conversation? Mm-hmm. Is it inspiring? Like, is it like life changing or are you being like the easy A teacher and, you know, not you're just posting a chicken nugget and not a golden nugget? And is it necessary? That's where most posts can stop right there. Is it necessary? Like, is it necessary to post what you're posting? And then is it kind? I think that that's always something that is super important. Like, we want to instill these like values and things in our kids, but. Is it kind should always be at the forefront because people be posting unkind stuff all the time. All the time, y'all. Oh, them comments. Whew. Do not read the comment section. Yeah, it's ugly. It gets into a very ugly place really quickly. And I don't want like social anthropologists to look back at 2000, at the 2000s and be like, dang, these people are rude. Like they really thought there was, it was inconsequential to say these things, but nah, this is like, it's out there. Like, we're out here and we're able to see it. How do you kind of set up your social media system to where you're also, you know, the truth part, the rude comments, but also not creating like your own little echo chamber where it's just you and your friends saying the same thing and you all agree with each other and no one's ever really like challenging your viewpoints. Like, how do you how do you find balance in maintaining that other side as well? I can definitely say that I'm guilty. I'm guilty of being somebody that will delete you if I don't, you know, if I think that you're being suspect, if I think you're being racist, homophobic, transphobic, like there are certain things that I just do not stand on. And if I can see that constantly, this is something that you believe in, I will delete you. And so, you know, that does make my circle of people get a little bit smaller where we are all believing in the same thing. But again, in terms of like echo chamber, like I will not argue with somebody who does not have expertise in it if that makes sense. You know, I will not argue with you because you got your education from Facebook University. Like, I will argue with you when I know. And again, like, is that elitist of me to be, like, I'm not engaging in conversations because I don't believe that you're educated enough to to engage in these conversations with me? Like, I don't know. I think that's something I'm still learning to unpack. But like, I do, you know, like, I'll read news articles from like both sides. I'll try to be a little bit more unbiased in like what I'm reading, you know, I'll go to things that are like not likely what I not the wing that I am current I don't know how to say this unpolitically. You know, like I try to read not unbiased um news and things like that. But again, it's getting harder and harder in this day and age where we're just becoming so divisive that I also like have to read multiple of the same topic just to like get like an overview 
Because at the end of the day, like, am I just getting the same thing said to me over and over and over again? I don't know. What about you? How do you manage the echo chamber? It's exhausting. Because I think issues get more and more complex as we go along. And it's hard to, it's hard to feel like you have a good understanding of, a good understanding of both sides fully. So I think what I try to lead with is, I don't know, just like reading. I don't really, I don't talk to many people about their views on the internet really at all. I read a lot of comments. I read a lot of comments. People, they be saying stuff on the internet. If you have said something suspect, there is a guarantee that Chris and I have screenshotted it and sent it to each other and been like, what? What did she say? (laughs) You know, I don't delete people if they're saying things like that. Because I'm, again, also not on social media enough to see it regularly if you are. I don't like to delete people just because they say stuff like that. I do enjoy, because people will say stuff and then I'll read the comments. Other people will call them out. And honestly, if we're close enough, I'm not going to post on your social media. I'm about to give you a phone call and be like, hey, so I saw that thing that you posted. Can you tell me more? Because I feel like I'm missing some context. Otherwise, we have some other things that we might need to discuss, including not hanging out anymore. But I don't know. I will say like my my in-person circle of people is probably more of an echo chamber than my virtual connections for sure yeah i i mean i like to be around people that i like to be around and there, like you said there are certain things i'm not actually going to argue with a person about so there are certain like human type issues i'm not going to argue with you about any sort of phobia or ism it it's there and if you are a part of it like we don't actually have much in the way of like a friendship mm-hmm. at all I think that was like a really large conversation that was beginning to happen. And I'm, I saw it closely with like the Pacific Islander community because, you know, that is the community that I'm a part of. So I don't know what was happening amongst along the, the lines, you know, everywhere else, but it was something that we were beginning to rectify and try to like strategize on discussing with our parents, like things that we were seeing, misinformation that we were seeing being posted and how do we do it from a way that's still culturally respectful? Because that is like a huge part of our culture is like, you know, being respectful in the way that we engage with our elders. Because again, at, at the end of the day, they are, you know, our cultural and our knowledge comes from them. But like, how do we rectify with that in a day and age where all this news is like, like news again, quote unquote news is being spread And so that was one of those big issues that we were seeing in this past year with like COVID, with the elections and all those things. And that was really, I felt interesting to watch unfold and have those larger conversations and these like Zoom calls that we were having. Like, how do we begin to address these issues with our parents? How do we begin to address these issues with our aunts and uncles, our grandparents? Because again, like, and it was being said all throughout the summer was like, change cannot happen until like even your immediate circle is seeing that change as well, right? Because like it's easier it's easy to get into like a a keyboard warrior conversation with a complete stranger in Idaho. But it's even harder to have that conversation with the people that are in your backyard in your home. I felt like that kind of we kind of went off topic, my bad. <laughs> I know. Well it's because this this it opens a lot of segues and doorways. So we might actually have to reach out, find some more questions, get some more information about social media. 
again, if someone is an engineer of the internet and knows how it works. And would be willing to explain it. Because <laughs> clearly Emma is stressed. So just some clarification on how the internet works. That'd be great. We, we'll probably have to continue this conversation for sure. If you'd like to come on and share your viewpoint as well, please reach out. If you're a parent and you're raising kids and having to figure out how to do the social media and the internet and the devices with them, like, absolutely. We're looking for more people to interview. We've only had one interview so far, and he didn't really have a choice, so... We're looking for willing participants, actually. (laughs) (laughs) We'll keep this conversation open for the future. Kind of our final thing for right now, if you had to give social media, like, your overall opinion... Yeah, I'm down with social media. Or like, mm, nah, actually, I'm good. Keep that. What would be your final opinion? Can I be both? Nah, uh, yay or nay. Okay, I would be yay. I would be yay for social media because while it does have its negative impacts, I do see the positive and I do enjoy and like reap the benefits of the positive. What about you? Yay or nay? Solid nay. Easy nay. Definitely oh. no. I would not... I wouldn't sign up for it. I wouldn't recommend anyone else signing up for it. If I could go back and take out that entire part of my life, I definitely would. Do I recognize that we are now recording a podcast that's going to go and be shared onto Instagram, a social media platform? Yes, yes, I do. But again, especially the way we were growing up with it, definitely no. There was too many variables that weren't accounted for. And so now I just feel like a lot of people are held accountable to things that they weren't really told a lot about. So Mm, I would have to say, I'd have to say nay. That'd be my final thing. Okay. I like it. So, as always, we are going to close out our session with a rapid fire question. Chris, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. My question today is what type of contest do you think would be fun to judge? Contest? Yeah. Like if you were going to, like a game show, like contest. Okay, if you said game show, I would love, 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 love to host either jeopardy r.i.p alex trebek love you or supermarket sweep or double dare 2000 i think i would just like to host (laughs) any type of game show because i love game shows those are like i grew up on them i love them all that good stuff what would you like to host a baking or a cooking competition especially with people who are like aren't that great at it this is one thing to like see people who are super great and then you kind of feel bad afterwards because you're like man i could never make something like that like no 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 like average people not like the professionals like i want to judge average people trying just trying their best you know that's what i would want to host or contest (laughs) at nicole buyer chris is actually coming for your job he's specifically talking about nailed it and we're actually really big fans and we've seen you live but he's coming for your job so hide your job (laughs) (laughs) um my rapid fire question for today is if you could only write with one type of writing utensil for the rest of your life what brand and what writing utensil would that be it'd be a tool needlepoint black pen 0.5 actually tool t-u-l everyone it's on at office depot i love tool writing utensils all of them if I had to choose, though, it would be a... Oh, I just started writing with it. It's a Zebra Sarasa clip and the point... And it says 0.5. But these are, like, amazing. If I had to pick a color, probably black because it's pretty versatile. You know, like, I could do many things with that. But I am also a gal who enjoys all the different colors. Is there any type of, like, utensil that you want to put people on that you think that, like, everyone should buy? 
I mean, I have just about every kind of tool that they make. I have the ball points, the needle points, the felt tips, the permanent markers, the highlighters, the mechanical pencils, the planners. So they have like a whole system and the pens, they work on pretty much everything, but they definitely work the best on the tool paper. Mm, facts. Mm-hmm. So I would look into tool if you can. And they're always on sale at Office Depot, so catch a sale. That would be my recommendation. I think I would change my color to green, though. Like an earthy kind of green, like the green. Like an olive green? No, not olive green. Oh, my oh. God, no. Not that green. A forest green? Like a forest green. Not, not like not a olive. neon green? Mm-mm. Okay. Olive got too much, too much brown. Yeah, and like Chris definitely put me on to tool. Like, I love tool the whole note-taking system yeah so i always check that section when i go to office depot especially because it is always on sale so i think it's a great system i personally enjoy it office depot at missy and kid you know just want to make sure y'all did not go to staples trying to look for it it's not at staples i don't know what emma told you i did not say anything she just went to staples (laughs) oh kid look now you're getting me in trouble anyway (laughs) if i could put somebody on any products it would be definitely like at sharpie products they're constantly coming out with things i personally am a huge fan of their their highlighter that has like the clear tip on it all you have to do is like you just highlight and it tells you where to stop because there's a clear tip they also just came out with these like markers that i just bought at target 8.99 i honestly like we're giving away free sponsorship so they should really start sponsoring us mm-hmm. and sharpie's really consistent it's not my favorite but it's consistent the products are durable for the most part like the and they work they're up there. They're up there for consistency, for sure. All right, Emma. Well, where can people find the podcast? You can find our podcast on Twitter or Instagram at the Tea with Crema, or you can find us anywhere that you can stream podcasts such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.